0: Amen. Well, recently, as perhaps many of you might know, I took a little end of summer vacation. I went up the California coast at probably the exact wrong time, given the 13,000 recent strikes of lightning that lit up the whole San Francisco sky, sadly. You didn't know if you were wearing a mask for the pandemic or for the pollutants in the smoke-filled air but the city itself was not on fire and many densely poply populated areas fortunately were kept safe by our hard-working California firefighters and I was grateful for the, the good visits that I was still able to get in with some old friends. But one of my favorite things to do anywhere on vacation, no lie, is to go to church. That's right. Now you might think I would especially want a vacation From church, since I work for a church, but that's exactly why I seek out a church wherever and whenever we go on vacation, so I could enjoy a service where everybody else does all the work, and I can just sit back and take in the service. I love it. For this very reason, when I'm visiting a sister church somewhere away from home, I generally do not volunteer the fact that I'm a pastor, You never know. They just might find a little work for you to do while you're passing through. At least that's my irrational fear. But that said, I want to paint for you this morning a scenario, a what-if scenario. What if, on one of my visits to a sister church somewhere, like this last time around at Faith Lutheran Church up in Sonoma, California, what if I did let them know a little something more about me, more than that, What if, say, on this last visit, for example, I not only went to this Sonoma church, but upon arriving, I noticed them selling books in the foyer and recognizing a book publisher or two on the racks for whom I didn't much care. What if I proceeded to knock all the books off all those shelves, clean off, and then some? such that books were flying everywhere, landing scattered over the entryway floor, even strewn across the hallway leading to the outdoor patio where they were peaceably trying to hold service. And then, not done yet, what if I then announce loudly to everyone that having cleared all that bad stuff out, if they wanted to hear some true teaching, they could join me in the east end of the parking lot and I'll be holding my own class promptly in five minutes. Now, just to be clear, again, this is a hypothetical. I didn't do this. When you think about it. But what if I did? Now, this particular church that I mentioned here, Faith Lutheran Church in Sonoma, actually just happened to be between pastors. They had an active call committee seeking candidates. So if I had actually pulled a stunt like this, I highly doubt that the head elder would have picked up one of the books off the ground that I had thrown there and then lean over to the congregation president saying, hey, psst, what do you think? Let's get this guy. Somehow I truly doubt that they would have had that conclusion about me. By the way, fun fact, Pastor Rob, before he was Pastor Rob, was once congregation president of that very same Faith Lutheran Church in Sonoma, right? <laughs> Some of the parishioners there still remember his days there. So maybe we should ask Pastor Rob what he really would have said had I paid such a tumultuous visit during his term there as congregation president. It probably would not have been, hey, let's get this guy. It probably would have been something more along the lines of, hey, let's get this guy (laughs) before he destroys something else. Or, Or maybe it would have been something along the lines of what we hear asked concerning Jesus in our gospel lesson this morning. There in Matthew 21, we hear the chief priests and the elders demand of Jesus, by what authority are you doing these things? A loose translation could be, Hey, now wait just a minute, Mr. Jesus of Nazareth. Who do you think you are coming into our turf? turning over our tables and setting up your own Sabbath day class. When did Jesus enter the uh, temple, turn over the tables and set up his own shop? If you're asking yourself, did I miss something here? Yes, in fact, we all did. Last week we were in Matthew chapter 20, and this week we jumped to the second half of Matthew 21. So between last week and this week, we skipped over the whole first half of Matthew 21, and a lot happens there. A lot happens that in the lectionary readings we usually cover during Holy Week in springtime. But that's where, for example, in the first half of Matthew 21, that Jesus is making his triumphal entry into Jerusalem to welcoming shouts of Hosanna from all the people. And just those shouts of Hosanna, save us now, are alone sufficient to set off those Jewish leaders. Then after Jesus enters and clears the temple, Jesus really raises their ire. They are irate, these overstepping stewards of the temple. They overstep and they underperform as far as Jesus is concerned, and that's putting it mildly. This is where Jesus quotes to the chief priests and elders both from the prophet Isaiah, my house shall be called the house of prayer. And then also from the prophet Jeremiah, but you make it a den of thieves. The chief priests and elders were experts in the law and the prophets. Therefore, they would have known the scriptures Jesus was quoting to them. Let me read for you the context of first that Isaiah 56, 7 quote. It goes on to say in the next three verses, Come, all you beasts of the field. Come and devour all you beasts of the forest. Israel's watchmen are blind. They all lack knowledge. They're mute dogs. Unlike that dog you hear in the background. They cannot bark. They lie around and dream. They love to sleep. They are dogs with mighty appetites, but they never have enough. They are shepherds lacking understanding. They all turn to their own way They all seek their own gain. That's Isaiah. Now let me read for you the rest of that Jeremiah quote to which Jesus alludes from Jeremiah 7. Will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal, and follow other gods you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house which bears my name and say we are safe? Safe to do all these detestable things? Continuing from Jeremiah. While you are doing all these things, declares the Lord, I spoke to you again and again, but you did not listen. I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, what I did to Shiloh, I will now do to the house that bears my name, the temple you trust in, the place I gave to you and your ancestors. I will thrust you from my presence just as I did all your fellow Israelites, the people of Ephraim, unquote. Whoa. That's heavy stuff to which Jesus is alluding by quoting here both these prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah. That last reference to Shiloh should have sent the chief priests and elders away shaking in their sandals. Shiloh was at one time to the northern kingdom of Israel what Jerusalem became to southern Judah. That is, once the temple finally found a quote-unquote permanent home on the Temple Mount where Jesus is having this conversation now centuries later. Shiloh had been in its day the appointed, centralized place of worship for the tabernacle and God's people in the northern kingdom of Israel. But Shiloh was no more. And likewise, Jeremiah's prophecy presages the coming sack of Jerusalem and the Babylonian captivity which took place in 587 BC. And now here's Jesus recalling and quoting Jeremiah here before the chief priests and elders. He is now presaging the destruction of the second temple which judgment will take place under the Roman siege in AD 70. And the temple was never to be rebuilt again to this very day in the year of our Lord, 2020. Serious stuff. So in a sense, you can already see how Jesus has begun to stake out a proper claim to his authority and all the goings-on in the temple. Even before the chief priests get a chance to come out and question explicitly Jesus' authority in the latter half, of Matthew 21, our gospel lesson today. It would be much the same thing here if Jesus showed up visibly at Peace Lutheran Church today and said, we're not doing things right in worship or in our daily walk. Hopefully Jesus wouldn't deem it necessary to throw us all out and predict the destruction of our meeting place. But whatever he said, we would want to do, right? I mean, it's his church. He's the head. He's the authority. If he said, for example, don't judge people anymore. Stop robbing God of his tithes. Cut out all gossip and pray without ceasing. We do all that right away and keep doing all that and whatever else he instructed us to do without interruption, right? Right? Would we? Could we? You see the dilemma we're in. The Lord has already told us again and again not to do anything hateful or murderous. He's already spoken to us about avoiding adultery and lustful thoughts. He's already taught us to consider the poor and pray, pray, pray. How are we doing with all that? on a daily basis now you can catch a glimpse of the dilemma confronting the chief priests and Jewish elders here if they recognize Jesus authority whether that be by John the Baptist's testimony of who Jesus was or by the voice from heaven that spoke at Jesus baptism or by all the miraculous powers that Jesus exercised over the natural and spiritual realms as witnessed by some of those same Jewish leaders. If any of that convinced them to admit Jesus' legitimate authority, then there would be a real reckoning, wouldn't there? There would be repentance required on their part. There would be some serious rearranging called for. A lot of rearranging of lifestyle, of habits, of values. Changes that would need to be ongoing and life-altering. It's much, much easier just to punt. Football terms, just don't make a call. Neither to run the ball, nor to set up a pass play. Just punt. Rather than face up to their sinful ways, denounce their hypocrisy, and like the repentant Zacchaeus did, give everything back to the poor fourfold, these temple stewards chose rather to disengage. They decided not to decide on Jesus' question concerning the source of John the Baptist's authority, whether it be from heaven or from men their silence spoke volumes their silence sealed their fate all that unconfessed sin Jesus was here giving the Jewish leaders one more chance to repent it was like Ezekiel 18 our Old Testament lesson was being dramatized with live actors right there with Jesus on the steps of the temple Ezekiel 18, repent. Turn away from all your offenses. Then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourself of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O people of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. Jesus does not exercise his authority over all things in order to lord it over us. John's gospel records, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and he would return to God. So what did he do? He got up from the table, took off his outer robe, then began to wash his disciples' feet. That's Jesus. Jesus. The servant of all. Earlier in Matthew's gospel, Jesus tells the paralytic and the skeptical teachers of the law were watching. He says, quote, so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, rise, take up your mat, and go home. Jesus uses his power and authority to forgive sinners. To heal the lame and the sick. To reconcile heaven and earth. If only everyone would just believe and receive it. Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Jesus will cry out in the next couple of chapters in Matthew. You who stone all the prophets. How often I would have gathered you like a hen gathers her chicks. But you were not willing. Why will you die? When Jesus was willing to die for all your sins. More than that, he was raised so that even detestable dogs who repent of seeking their own gain could be forgiven and raised with him in newness of life. The fact is, Jesus always uses all his power and authority not for his own benefit, but solely for the sake of us sinners. By whose authority? are demons cast out and the oppressed set free? By whose authority are tax collectors who repent, forgiven of all their sins in heaven and on earth? By whose authority are those who died in faith, called out of their graves and granted immortality? By whose authority is the church in every generation commissioned to go out into all the earth with this winsome message of deliverance, baptizing and bestowing upon the newly baptized the promised new heart and new spirit. By whose authority is the faith-strengthening, soul-sustaining body and blood of our Savior, freely administered to sorrowful sinners in the sacrament of the altar? Finally, brothers and sisters, by whose authority did you hear just this morning that comforting word of absolution spoken into your ears earlier in this service, all your sins are forgiven. Make no mistake about it. It's all in the mighty name of Jesus and by his authority alone. So let there be no question for all this pilgrim throng gathered here today, whether live or online. For all that he has done for us, each one of us here today is fully authorized in his his or her own heart to rejoice, give thanks, and sing the glorious praises of our Lord Jesus Christ forevermore. Amen. And now the Lord Jesus Christ himself help, save, comfort, and defend you all the days of your life. Amen.